every Sunday night. Dial your radio station to WNUR-FM 89.3 for the one and only Northwestern Wildcats call-in sports radio talk show devoted to every team. It's the Sports Voice. Tune in for the entire sports block from 7 to 9 p.m. for all your Wildcats analysis. Welcome on in to the WNUR Voice, the third and final leg in the Sunday night WNUR sports block. My name is Jack Lito. Today I'm joined by Hap Conover. Hap, how are you doing today? Doing terrific, Jack. Excited to be on the show and uh, talk Northwestern sports with you. Awesome. This is your first sports voice, am I right? It is. That's, that is correct. It's great, great. All right, we're going to talk about a team that, in case you haven't heard, Big Ten West champion, Northwestern Wildcat football. Going to Indianapolis, I'm so excited. Uh, are you are you as excited as me? So b- before we can get into analysis, just since 2000, the uh, Wildcats have not won the Big Ten. They have never played in the Big Ten championship uh, in this current format, which I believe is since 2011. How excited are you, Hap? Well, I, I honestly feel spoiled, Jack. Um, <laughs> coming in as a freshman here, um, you know, my first year, you get to experience something like this. I was talking with some friends today about how, you know, this this may be a once in at least four years, probably a much longer uh, type of experience. So to to have this happen freshman fall is is definitely uh, an, an incredible experience, and I am I am definitely not taking it for granted. I am so excited. I am trying to buy my tickets now to get to Indy and. Uh, I just can't wait to see this team play in the, in the Big Ten championship game. And hey, sometimes it, uh, it's better to be lucky than good. Northwestern winning the games that they need to win. So let's get into a little bit of analysis. We're going to start with the quarterback, our trusty leader, Clayton Thorson, redshirt senior. We have in the notes, is does he need to play better, uh, or can he just be a game manager and stop throwing picks? And on my uh, view of it, I think he does need to play better because, frankly— you need to be more consistent to even be considered a game manager. An interesting stat on Thorson, he's never thrown this year, uh, this year that is, in between 200 and 373 yards. That's crazy. He's either <laughs> below 200 or above 370. That's just nuts. He's got to be more consistent than that, right? Uh, you're absolutely right. It really feels like that has been the case. You know, I hear, I heard that stat, and I really wasn't surprised by it. Uh, in recent weeks, especially, um, you know, it, it's just been a little bit of a struggle. Actually, a lot of a struggle from from Clayton. Uh, his completion percentage seems to always be right around that fifty percent mark. He was fifteen out of thirty yesterday. Uh, Notre Dame, I believe, it was sixteen out of twenty nine. Exactly. So yep. it, 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 it's always right around that mark. At least it has been since that uh, uh, Nebraska game. And you're absolutely right that if if you want to beat a team like Michigan or Ohio State, who those are the two teams you're going to, you uh, have a possibility of playing in the Big Ten Championship game, you're going to need a 370-plus yard performance from him uh, because, you know, Michigan has the best defense in the country right now. So yep. 
you know, Isaiah Bowser, obviously that's a storyline moving forward, how successful he has been since taking over the job uh, at running back. But if, if you're looking to win the biggest game in program history, arguably, um, you're going to need outstanding play from your quarterback and, you know, 150 yards, a couple of picks, and 50% completion percentage is just not going to get the job done. Certainly the biggest game in the Pat Fitzgerald era. era. Speaking of Isaiah Bowser, who you mentioned, he's been a huge part of this Northwestern offense in a real next man up uh, mentality with seeing Solomon Vault in and out with injury. Jeremy Larkin, of course, had to medically retire. Uh, John Moten the fourth sprained his ankle. Isaiah Bowser, the true freshman, getting it done. I I really think he's a just he's going to be a huge part of Northwestern winning any games in the future. He's very reliable on first and second down and and in the red zone. What have you been seeing that you like out of Bowser? I just love his aggressiveness first and foremost. You almost never see him get tackled for a loss. He hits the hole with authority, and it just seems like. You're right. On first and second down, he's almost a lock to pick up three, four, maybe even five yards. Which is crazy out of, if you've been watching Northwestern this year or the last, uh, well, mostly this year, <laughs> but it's it's tough it's tough to see Northwestern get more than four or five yards. But since Bowser came, it's like we're being spoiled. A five-yard gain on first and ten, right? It's absurd. I'm just thinking back to that Michigan State game. I believe the, the final number was eight yards on the ground. Um, you know, that that's what we thought it would be, I, I feel like, after Jeremy Larkin retired from there on out. And it's just been such a, a terrific, um, you know, moment for this for this team to have a guy like Isaiah Bowser just emerge and essentially be someone who can give you 30 carries and 150 yards a game. He's been more or less around those numbers these past few weeks. Um, and, and that has just been a, a godsend, really, for this team. And I think is definitely uh, one of the reasons they're they're in the position where they are. Yeah, it, it's been great, and I wanted to talk about the rest of the offense if I could pull up the stats, but uh, a guy I, I'm looking to step up in the next couple of games and especially in the Big Ten Championship is Flynn Nagel. Uh, he's, he had zero catches, which is kind of nuts how Northwestern won that game with Nagel, the senior with zero catches. He, he is the, the option, I think, on third down, both third and medium and and third and like three four if if Thorson is throwing it I I think McCall Mick McCall has got to uh, basically call a lot of those four yards slants out routes to guys like Nagel uh, guys like Cam Green and also Bowser who we've seen uh, he he's he's been able to cast the ball he got three three receptions for thirty three yards uh, I think part of Thorson's lack of success the past couple games has been the inability to to get it down the field not even 15 20 more like 5 10 yards to to those guys I think the wide receivers are going to have to step up in order to beat a Michigan or an Ohio State what do you think happened no question uh, if you had told me before this Iowa game that Flynn Nagel would have zero catches I would have said well you know we, we must have lost the game uh, but um, you're, you're completely right. Uh, Flynn Nagel is undoubtedly the best wide receiver on this team, and we have to find, him, find a way to get him the football. Mick McCall definitely needs to uh, you know, run plays targeting him, especially, as you said, on third down. That's really the position he's thrived so far this year. Uh, one thing uh, that was really a positive coming out of this game in the receiving area, Cameron Green, it's great to see him getting more, more touches, uh, you know, five catches for 30 yards. 
he's he's just a, a great possession tight end. Obviously, we call him the super back in the Northwestern offense, but um, he's a, a great target for for Clayton to have, especially underneath and, and on those you know third and four, third and five type of situations. Um, and then obviously Bennett Skoranek, you know, the catch as it's being dubbed, catch. I think, uh, you know, I, I was reading about, you know, how it's going down in Northwestern lore or, or whatever you want to say. Uh, that's really his, uh, his best spot. I feel like is down the field making the contested catch, um, you know, three for 45 on the day. He also drew a big pass interference penalty as well. Um, you know, he's not the fastest guy, but he does give you the ability to stretch the field a little bit. And, um, you know, if Northwestern's going to continue to be successful, he's going to have to be a, a part of that down the field. Yeah, I, I think we've touched on the, the offense a lot. We're, let's take a quick look at, at this defense who, I mean, they shut down Iowa in a, in a cold game that we, we were predicting to be relatively low scoring. They held Iowa to 10 points uh, as a defense. They're a bit injured, a bit injured is, is might be an understatement coming into the game. Uh, Trey Williams was out. Greg Newsom was out, and Jared McGee—they uh, were all out in the secondary. While Montre Hardage came out in the middle of the game. So, who did you see step up in the secondary, or who who do you think can step up in the secondary with those guys possibly missing even more time in the future? You're right. The, the secondary is is really banged up, and uh, but that next man up mentality really came through yesterday. I thought Roger Campbell was really impressive um, coming on, playing some corner for Pat Fitzgerald. Um, you know, Alonzo Mayo, he did get burned a little bit on that touchdown catch, but overall, you know, he had a, a relatively good performance, I thought. You know, obviously Iowa, an offense that relies heavily on their tight ends, they don't really stretch the field much. It's more of a ground-and-pound type of offense. That's kind of the game where if you're going to have your secondary banged up, you want it to be against a team like that. Yep. But nevertheless, Northwestern did a great job acquitting themselves, you know, with that many injuries, especially when Hardage comes out of the game, um, because that, you know, you, your defense is sort of centered around his ability to just lock down uh, a receiver one on one. So him coming out of the game was definitely a, a troublesome moment, I thought, for Northwestern. But they handled it really well. Credit to the team. Um, and if we can see guys like Campbell and Mayo step up in big situations maybe allow the other guys to come back and get healthy in these next couple of weeks where obviously the implications aren't that big. Um, that could be huge going into the Big Ten championship game if you have some significant depth in the secondary. Yeah, that's a good call, and significant depth is a big factor in a lot against passing offenses, maybe less so with Michigan, but definitely with Ohio State. Northwestern might have to run some nickel and dime sets, and and assuming the other guys are healthy, you would still need guys like Roger Campbell and Cameron Ruiz, who had a couple of pass breakups against Iowa, to come in. I also loved the emergence of Travis Whitlock in his first career start, leading the team with nine total tackles. Four of those were solo, five were assisted. Uh, playing the safety position, not not the biggest guy, not the fastest guy, but kind of like his high school teammate, Patty Fisher, just a hard-nosed guy in the middle to stop runs. He, he'll break up. He, he's not as adept at breaking up passes, but against the run, against a short pass, I, I love to see Travis Whitlock step up uh, in replacement uh, of, the, of some of the injured uh, defensive backs. Yeah, absolutely. It was, you know, such a, a great – surprise I would say to see Whitlock come in and Whitlock as you said lead the team with tackles uh, with nine 
you know that's that's really hard to do regardless of the of the circumstance but in a road atmosphere in a division clinching situation uh, that's extremely impressive and Ruiz playing that safety position as well was was great with a couple of breakups so you know again the, the secondary really stepped up big and I think that's a that's a big reason why the Northwestern was was able to pull away with the victory and apart from the secondary most people would agree the best part of this Northwestern unit is their front seven their three linebackers and their four big guys on the defensive line just playing phenomenally this year uh Sam Duke Miller and Joe Gaziano over on the on the ends have been some of the best players uh, on this defense uh the linebackers Nate Hall he was injured for a few plays I believe in the Iowa game but came back Hall Fisher and Blake Gallagher have been great and there's a big next man up uh, mentality in the defensive interior with Jordan Thompson playing well Alex Miller in and out but we still have Ernest Brown the sophomore coming in Fred Wyatt uh, Trent Goins they're all making plays so I think my favorite part if I had to choose my favorite part of the next uh, of this Northwestern defense is the defensive line and just their ability to get guys in and out in and out and they always have their hands up to defect deflect passes even if they're not in the backfield Jordan Thompson is a guy that takes up a lot of double teams I think this this is the de- the the unit of the defense that's been playing the best and if they were they are going to compete in the Big 10 championship game they are going to need to play their best. Absolutely. I mean, you look at what they did to this Iowa rushing attack. That's what I thought was the most impressive performance from this front 7 and especially that front 4 um, holding Mackay Sargent who's a you know, a pretty solid running back, 10 carries, 27 yards overall. Iowa 22 carries for 64 yards, so under three yards a carry from a team that you know prides itself on running the football is just a testament to how how much improved this defense has been, especially in that running game. Um, so against a team like Michigan, that's exactly what you have to do: control the line of scrimmage, stop the run, uh, and you know force uh, Shea Patterson to beat you. And this yeah. is this defensive line, you know. Is able to do that, which I think uh, is really impressive, and the depth they have is is definitely something that uh, has has improved over the year. That that's a great call, Northwestern, one of the better run stopping teams in the Big Ten. Uh, let's let's look a little bit ahead. Uh, Minnesota game that's going to be even colder than the Iowa game. Forecast we have as twenty nine degrees, sunny with zero percent precipitation. To be honest, I didn't look into this game that much, but honestly, I just think keep doing what you're doing, get healthy, right? That was exactly what I had written down. I said, stay healthy, you know, work on uh, maybe some accuracy things with the wide receivers, you know, uh, try out some plays, but but you know, you've you've accomplished your goal here of winning the division with with two weeks to go. You're sort of in a an interesting predicament here. Um, you know, you obviously don't want to you know rest your starters or whatever. Uh, but but you you need to keep your priorities in mind during this game, and I think health absolutely has to be one of them. So if a guy is fifty fifty or on the fence about playing, I think it's just it makes more sense to to sit him here and and get some other guys some experience uh, because you know th- this game obviously doesn't have any Big Ten West implications anymore. Yeah, for sure, and the playing Minnesota on the road in that environment is no guarantee. So. Obviously, that's part of the reason Northwestern was so happy to win the Big Ten West outright after beating Iowa, getting a little help from from Minnesota and from Penn State. 
the Illinois game we're going to talk about next week. Uh, that's on Thanksgiving weekend, rivalry week, the hat game. That's going to be fun. Uh, it's hard not to look at the Big Ten championship. You know, you know, really, you know, longer, really, there it is. Uh, you no longer really have to take it one game at a time. You can think about the Big Ten championship. And I'll turn this question over to you, Hap. Would you rather face Ohio, face Ohio State or the Michigan Wolverines in Indianapolis? This is a really tough question. I, I think one that just doesn't quite yet at least have a clear answer uh, for Northwestern fans. But thinking about it more, I, I would say Ohio State is the team I would personally rather have uh, Northwestern play. That might be a controversial decision. But I think if you just look at Michigan's defense right now, it's playing at a level that is, is unbelievable. I mean, if you look at they're, – they're number one in the country in yards per game. I believe they're also number one in scoring defense – um, you know, they've. I saw a stat that they've been a, a better defense, at least statistically, than all of the last 10 Alabama defenses, <laughs> which is certainly saying something. Um, I mean, Don Brown has that unit firing on all cylinders, and the offense is starting to come around as well. You know, Shea Patterson has, has stepped up in recent weeks. The running game has gotten going. And I think Ohio State, on the other hand, has sort of been trending downward. Uh, if you obviously look at that game against Purdue where they lost 49-20, uh, and then come back struggle to beat um a a uh, a Nebraska team and then you know this past weekend obviously pulling away from Michigan State but you know having a tough time doing it and, and not looking that impressive in the process this just seems like a team to me right now that's not you know completely in it I, I think they may understand that their playoff hopes are dashed uh you know considering you losing to 29 to, to Purdue is probably gonna <laughs> gonna keep you out of the playoffs so for a team like that, that always, you know, the goal for Ohio State is to win the national championship. If you can sort of, if you think that your your season may be heading off the rails or, or anything like that, that can be a, a perfect recipe for an upset for a Northwestern team that just has nothing to lose going into a game like that. So at the current moment in time, I would take Ohio State, uh, even though I think Dwayne Haskins is a terrific quarterback and certainly could cause us a lot of problems. I actually would agree with that. I, I most people I've talked to have said Michigan, but for me, Ohio State, there are clearly holes in that team. They lost to Purdue. Nebraska played them close. Penn State played, played them really close. And Michigan's defense is just too good. I like. I think w- we got lucky scoring 17 points at home uh, against the Wolverines. I, I'm just, if this makes sense, I trust the Wildcat defense to hold the Ohio State offense to under 25 more than letting Michigan, uh, letting the Wildcat offense get over 25. Do you know? What I, do you know what I, I mean? completely agree with you. Um, I, I, I could definitely see getting into a slugfest uh, with Ohio State, but, you know, if Michigan were to put up 24, 30 points, I just have a hard time seeing Northwestern matching that. Uh, yeah, and if we're going to get really ahead of ourselves, any Pac-12 Rose Bowl, potential Rose Bowl opponent for the Big Ten looks pretty weak. Washington State, the Cougars, are currently ahead in in the Pac-12, but do you have any views on the Pac-12 right now? Yeah, I haven't really looked that far ahead too much. Um, Washington State has definitely looked like the best team in the Pac-12 this season. Uh, I uh, I was on the Moving the Chains podcast, and they were my lock of the week a couple of weeks ago uh, because they, they don't get a lot of respect. Uh, you know, they're a top-10 team. Gardner yep. Minshew, terrific transfer quarterback. They still lead the country in passing yards. Um, so that is a very good team. And, 
What an interesting matchup that would be if it was Northwestern Washington State in the Rose Bowl. I think you know you're used to tuning in every year, seeing like Penn State, USC, Ohio State, Oregon, something like that. Yep. It'd be it'd be pretty pretty cool to turn on the turn on the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day and see Northwestern Washington State. Um, but I think right now that looks like the team that should win the Pac-12. They're in position in the North and, and the Pac-12 South, aside from maybe a, a Utah team, looks pretty unimpressive. So I would uh, I would imagine Washington State's going to be playing in the Rose Bowl and you know that'd be that'd be a fascinating matchup if we got there I think you know we'd we'd obviously have a lot to talk about but I think now the focus should probably be mostly on the Big Ten championship game absolutely and the Washington Huskies are right on the the Cougars tail they're they're going to be playing in rivalry week at uh, in the Apple Cup Uh, Washington State is at home so that's going to be a fun one Uh, speaking of college football as a whole let's just go around the country uh our producers have asked, does anyone stand a chance at not being crushed by Bama? And how many points will they beat the Citadel by? I simply said several. They will beat them by several points. I don't <laughs> think any team has, has a chance at, at beating Bama. Do you see anything in their schedule that would prove me otherwise? Um, I I don't. I, I'm honestly looking ahead to a potential college football national championship game between Alabama and Clemson as really maybe the only possibility. And I don't even feel that good about that. Uh, Clemson just has... I would say the best defense, and and maybe they have a shot at, at containing Tua Tagovailoa, but you know, I don't I don't think Auburn's going to put up any any sort of a fight in, in the Iron Bowl, and I don't think Georgia's going to do much in the national and uh, excuse me the SEC championship game. Um, and then in the first round of the playoff, you would imagine they play probably a Notre Dame, maybe maybe a, a Michigan if they were able to get there. I, I don't see either of those teams having any shot against Alabama. I saw a thing uh, that said Vegas would have um, Alabama favored by 21.5 over Notre Dame in a neutral site game. <laughs> and I, I, that number sounds right to me. So I really only see Clemson as the only team that, that has any kind of a chance. Uh, in terms of the Citadel this weekend, I, I feel like they're actually going to pull up on the gas pedal a little bit, maybe try to rest some guys. They are a little bit banged up, uh, Alabama is. So I would put it somewhere in the – 55 to 65 range, but I don't think they're going to, you know, ring up 80, 85 points, even though they absolutely could if they wanted to. Uh, the predicted score is 64.8 to zero. That's what Odd Shark says. That sounds right to me. Yeah. Uh, here's the funny thing, though, is if it's if Alabama is a 21 point favorite in a neutral site game in the college football playoff, guess who's watching that game? I am. <laughs> uh, speaking of the college football playoff. Uh, if um, well, you know what? Let's just let me ask you: Who do you think will be the four teams in the college football playoff? Tell me why. What is the scenario that each team needs to happen, and what do you think will actually play out? So my playoff right now is Alabama at one, Clemson at two, Notre Dame at three, Michigan at four. Um, to me, uh, those are the teams that sort of, if you look at precedent, um, which which you have to do in the playoff era, those are the teams that look to be in position right now um, to make it. Alabama and Clemson obviously are going to be, you would imagine, undefeated conference champions and not really have you know any questions there. I think undefeated Notre Dame uh, absolutely gets in. I think there's no way that, a, um, that an undefeated Notre Dame team does not get into the college football playoff, uh, especially with that win over Michigan. Um, you know, If Ian Book is significantly hurt, he didn't play this weekend, that might factor into their seeding, but I just don't think that this team – 
you know, they do have a, they have a tough game against Syracuse this weekend, uh, and then they have to go all all the way across the country to play USC. But if they win those two games, to me, they are in. And for that fourth spot, uh, if Michigan wins out, if they beat Ohio State and then Northwestern, um, to me, they're in. They uh, they have probably the best loss of anyone in the country right now. I would say um, in that home away game, or excuse me, that opening away game at Notre Dame, yeah, twenty four seventeen. So if they win out. Um, they should be in, and I think it, that's pretty clear-cut right now, those four teams. Now, obviously, if one of them were to lose, something would change. Uh, we have on here, if Georgia beats Bama, what happens? I think then you see a scenario where Alabama and Georgia and Clemson are all in, and then Notre Dame would get in over Michigan um, because of the head-to-head result. Sure, yeah. Um, but other than that, uh, I-, I think there's really no other t- – I don't see Oklahoma getting in at all. They've – they just eked out a win over Oklahoma State this weekend on that failed two-point conversion. You know, they they went to overtime with Army. They lost to Texas. So, to me, they're not a team that, that stands a chance. And I don't think Ohio State, if they went out and win the Big Ten Championship, um, can get in with that loss to Purdue. Um, so, right now, I would say Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan. Yeah, and precedent will agree with you. I also think it'll be Bama, Clemson, and Notre Dame. And then for the four seed, I kind of wrote down a mosh pit of the Big 12 and the Big 10. I think it would be fun to think about West Virginia winning out, uh, winning the Big 12, and then going to the playoff, but it's probably not going to happen. Same thing with Ohio State. I don't think it's going to happen. The most likely scenario is Michigan, but I think if anything if if your uh, uh, playoff scenario is broken up by anything, I think it'll be Ohio State at home in a rivalry game, beating Michigan, beating Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship, and then with one loss, they're led into the playoffs. Now, of course, this everything goes haywire if Georgia beats Alabama, then I would agree with you. Georgia would get in uh, over the winner of the Big Ten or the winner of the Big 12. Yeah, I just I can't wait to see how this all plays out. It's you know the the playoff. It's sometimes criticized, but I think it just creates so much fun around this time of the year with all these debates. Um, and obviously, you know, every game certainly does matter now uh, with with resumes and everything being taken into consideration. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens um, come uh, come early December. And. Uh no matter what, someone's going to be mad. And one team that I think is going to be pretty mad is is UCF. If they win out, do you think they stand a chance at the, the college football playoff? No, I think they have no chance. I think the committee's made that pretty clear in their rankings over the past two years. They've essentially said, uh, step up the scheduling, I think is the message. Um, and, you know, w- wherever you stand on that personally, it doesn't really matter. It matters what the committee thinks. And they have taken the stance that, uh, UCF has not scheduled a significantly difficult schedule uh, to warrant um, consideration for the playoff. Um, you know, they sort of tried this year. They had a game with North Carolina canceled because of the hurricane. They played Pittsburgh, and they beat them, and Pittsburgh may even go to the ACC championship game. But the committee, I, I think, is looking to see them beat an Ohio State or a, you know, a, a top-tier team um, in order for them to, to really be considered uh, for the playoff. And, and obviously on their schedule, they just don't have a team like that. Yeah, UCF just beat up on Navy. Uh, college game day is coming. Cincinnati is is going to Orlando to play UCF. UCF by no means an easy schedule, but not a uh, not a college football playoffs schedule. W- one storyline I have written down in in college football. I, I'm just interested in before we get into other sports in Northwestern. Let let me ask you a question. Let's say your NFL team has a top five pick in the draft. 
uh, and a 37-year-old quarterback who's way past his prime. He, he's got two very talented players and a wide receiver uh, named, let's name him Bodell Schmeckham and uh, a running back named Baquan Larky. You know, and your team just needs a quarterback and you have a top five pick. Who, who are you picking? See, that's a really difficult question. Um, I, I don't think you're referring to the Giants. You know, I might be mistaken. But, um, you know, to me, this draft really stands out for its lack of elite quarterback prospects. Um, you know, looking at the top, it's it's sort of a hodgepodge of okay, you know, pretty good, maybe some potential, but definitely not stud guys that you are, you know, 100% willing to stake the future of your franchise on. Personally, I would go with Justin Herbert out of uh, Oregon. Um, to me, he's the most complete guy in this class. I would also look at Drew Locke from Missouri. Those, those to me, are two pretty impressive guys. But for a team like the Giants, it's it's just a, a, a conundrum in, in whether – you sink one of these top picks um, in, into one of these quarterbacks. And uh, I'm just not sure right now that you've seen enough uh, to warrant doing that. But, you know, <laughs> there's, there's going to be a lot of tough decisions come April for, for some NFL GMs because uh, <laughs> there is definitely a, a dearth of uh, quarterback talent in this draft, especially as opposed to, to last year's. Yeah, and the other guys I wouldn't necessarily sleep on is Ryan Finley from North Carolina State. And a guy I just love to watch play is Will Greer. I don't think I think the guy's like six two. He he's not going to be a highly re- uh, picked draft pick, but he's a winner. Uh, I really like Will Greer, and I, I'd like to I'd like to see him on an NFL roster. So uh, let's let's move on from football and talk about uh, other Northwestern sports. Let's start. Uh, let's do hoops. Men's basketball uh, got a win against New Orleans, eighty two to fifty two. Uh, do you have any opening thoughts on this game? Yeah, so the, my takeaways were Ryan Taylor is really exciting to watch. I mm. I was just thrilled to, to, to see him out there. Six of 11 from three. Um, just looked really impressive and like and looked like he's going to be the, the go-to scorer on this team. And I, I think I'm, I'm, at least as a fan, comfortable uh, with that. Um, obviously scoring over 20 points a game last year at Evansville. He was a highly touted transfer. He was a big, big get for Chris Collins, and he certainly – impressed in his first uh, Northwestern showing. Uh, and then the other is that there's still not really an answer at the point guard position. Um, you know, Jordan Ash, two points, was all right. Um, but he's really the only lead guard yeah. that you have, and he does not bring a lot, at least scoring-wise, to the table. And this team struggled. I mean, we, we, we saw a lot of turnovers, especially in that first half. Um so that's going to be a problem. There's just no question, especially moving into Big Ten play. When you're in a late-game, close situation, and you don't really have a guy who you trust to, to handle the ball, especially going from someone like Bryant McIntosh running the offense for so long, it, it's an adjustment for this team. So moving forward, I think that has to be a priority of non-conference play is to establish some sort of answer at the point guard position um, uh, because this team has a lot of talent. Uh, it's just... It's just figuring that that spot out that, yeah, that's going to be important. I think you do. I think it starts at the ends, at the one and at the five. You have Derek Pardon there, but one thing I would like to see more of is Pardon shooting. Pardon shooting the ball. He went four of five from the floor, which is fine. But in Big Ten play, I want to see that number be more like seven of ten, eight of ten. You can't necessarily rely on a three point shot, even with a three point shooting team that is shaping up to be pretty good. Uh, big picture wise. 
this is just a really athletic team, uh, a lengthy team. No one who's that big seven-footer, but when you have a three like Vic Law and a four like it, it, when Pete Nance gets in, if he starts, Miller Cop at six foot eight, I believe, another freshman. He he's been starting the past two games. I, I think it's a good uh, a good starting five with a decently deep bench. Uh, my question, whenever I talk Northwestern hoops, is what is your ideal starting lineup? Not necessarily your sorry your ideal lineup, but not necessarily a starting lineup. Which there's a difference for me. I like Anthony Gaines at the one, and a lot a lot of X's and O's basketball guys tell me Gaines isn't as good as an AJ, uh, sorry, an AJ Turner at the one or Jordan Ash, but I think Gaines is just such an athletic freak. You only need to bring, you don't need to slowly bring up the ball when you're Northwestern. They play a very fast transition game, and I think Gaines can 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 create his own scoring opportunity in the paint. Uh, I'm spending a lot of time on Anthony Gaines. Uh, Gaines at the one, and then going down the list, I have Ryan Taylor at the two, Vic Law at the three, Pete Nance, and Derek Pardon rounding it out. I would completely agree. I was just going to suggest that more more Gaines at the one may be the answer. Uh, If you look to push and transition, uh, I think he can be a guy who who leads the offense in that. You you may give up more turnovers, but – I think that's that's probably your best lineup, at least offensively moving forward, and one that gives you a lot of shooting and a lot of length. Yeah, a lot of talent, even with a, some new guys, a lot of talent uh, across the board for, for men's. Uh, in women's hoops, a big win to start the year on the road against Green Bay, and then just today they got a win in the Welsh Ryan Arena uh, opening uh, against number 21 Duke. Uh, the women, if you include the exhibition game against Lewis, uh, are three and zero, two and zero in 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 non-con. And we were just talking about it inside. The non-con schedule isn't too bad for for the Cats. They could start out with I don't know six six seven. If they they pull an upset against DePaul in Chicago, it might be even more than that. I I, I like the way this team is going. They've got a couple of good freshmen. Sidney Wood made a big shot against Green Bay. uh, And their leaders, Palace Kunayakpane is the first person you think of. She's an absolute monster off the glass. What was your takeaway from this game or the first two games? Anything big picture with women's basketball? I'm really excited about this women's basketball team, too. I got a chance to call the game against Lewis, and one of my big takeaways from that was Veronica Burton, uh, the freshman playing the point guard position, has been sort of a revelation for this team. Last year, really struggling, the team did with with turnovers, uh, 13th out of 14 in the Big Ten in terms of giveaways, and I think she has been a really calming presence for this team at the point guard position. Um, She's been just so impressive, you know, coming in these are our first couple of games as a college basketball player running the offense and you know with with her at the one that allows Lindsey Pulliam Jordan Hamilton and some of these other guards off the bench like Amber Jabison um, to really just do their thing and go score and not have to worry about ball handling responsibilities and that really is going to open up the offense a lot more so you know Veronica Burton and the three-pointers I think is something that we has to we have to talk about um you know this team was uh, dead last in, in the Big Ten in attempts uh, per season behind the arc, and they are just draining threes early in this season. Um, 
today especially they were they were really impressive from beyond the arc I believe going eight of 20 shooting 40 uh, percent they shot a similar number against Lewis so um, this team between limiting turnovers and shooting the three ball has been definitely a, a, a big uh, impressive start here uh, at the beginning of the yeah, year. Yeah, I, I don't want to overreact, but this team already looks way better uh, shooting the ball, both from mid-range and from three. A big win against Duke. Uh, I saw a crazy Abby Scheid play where she was essentially tripped and made a fallaway shot falling to her left. This was their last win against a ranked opponent uh, since their first win against a ranked opponent, that is, since 2016. So I'm really excited for uh, women's hoops. Uh, Let's keep it going because we uh, we're going to go into break soon and then getting to pick them. Women's soccer. Got to give them a huge shout out. Lost in the NCAA tournament. Last Friday night at North Carolina State uh, in Raleigh. What a four-year run. Uh, the end of essentially the best senior class in Northwestern history, uh, led by Marissa Vigiano. The st- defense really stepped up, up against NC State. It just wasn't enough. It was a one nothing loss. Uh, Mackenzie Wood, the keeper, only a freshman, I-, I think has a really bright future ahead of her. Do you have any thoughts on uh, women's soccer? A really unfortunate loss in the first round of the tourney. Yeah, it's a tough way for this senior class, as you mentioned, to go out um, for NCAA tournament appearances, uh, Sweet 16 or a round of 16 appearance back in 2016. So, you know, this 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 class really turned around Northwestern women's soccer for the better. I mean, they were lucky to get into the tournament. There's really no yeah, without no, the, no the other way to say it. Um, but um, certainly tough to see them go out in the first round like that. But, I, you know, I, I think the only thing uh, – to be now is appreciative of all they've done for women's soccer um and with Mackenzie Wood and, and some others hopefully there's a bright future for this program uh because it, it's definitely been fun to watch when when they've been successful yeah Michael Moynihan d- doing a pretty good job there uh lastly our fault last fall sport is volleyball uh with a loss to Penn State but a win against Rutgers uh not really all that surprising the Big Ten one of the better volleyball conferences in the country if not the best one uh, volleyball is currently 5-11 in conference and 15-13 and overall. Not a great season, but not a terrible one with th- three, four games to go. Uh, yeah, we've got Illinois, Penn State, Michigan, and Indiana to close out the Cats season. Um, do you have any opening thoughts on volleyball? Yeah, I mean, to me, this is just a season where you're looking to build momentum. You have no seniors yeah. on this team, so it's all about just building that chemistry uh, figuring out your roles and, and looking ahead to the future. So, you know, they've looked way more impressive in these last couple of weeks than obviously the beginning of Big Ten play where they started out with a string of at least eight straight losses. Um, so it's it's good to see them pick up some wins here. You know, they're not ready to compete with the, with the big weights in the conference um, like your Penn State's, like your, like your Michigan's, like your Minnesota's. But um, I think next year and maybe two years is a reasonable target for this team to be uh, at least somewhat competitive uh, in the Big Ten. Yeah, Shane Davis doing a pretty good job. Looking at the the roster, Alana Walker, Nia Robinson, Aubriana Cannon, Britt Bomber, and Kiara, Mc, uh, Kiara McNulty, all freshmen or sophomores. So this is a high-energy energy team with a really bright uh, future ahead. We're going to take a quick break, uh, and then we're going to get into Pick'em. This is Sports Voice on WNUR.